Hi, I'm Britton LaRue, and this is Moon to Moon. Moon to Moon is a space to consider, celebrate, and share the ways we come home to ourselves, anchor through change, and uncover our power. One month, one phase, one loving step at a time. Welcome back to New Moon to Moon. I'm really excited to share with you a conversation that I had with a teacher who's very important to me, and that is my teacher, Adam Summer. Adam is important because he is the person that I chose to really walk with me when I committed to getting much more serious about my study of astrology, about growing more accountability in my practice as an astrologer, as someone who I had the humility to like admit that I wanted to know more and I know I don't know everything and I value learning from you. Will you be that person? <laughs> And um, so I think, it's a, I think it's really special when you decide who you want to learn astrology from, especially when you shift from um, like learning a little bit here and a learning a little bit there and learning a little bit over there, right? And like learning it through osmosis from people you're following and listening to to really stepping into like a program, like somebody's container. When you make the mag magical exchange of money and commit for a certain period of time that becomes the chrysalis space, it becomes the container for processes of growth that you're calling in for yourself. And I take that really seriously um, so I'd like to talk a little bit about these processes and how I work with them and how I magnetize teachers and magnetize students and <clears throat> aim to grow as a teacher and aim to find more teachers because I feel like it's appropriate to stop and think about these things now and then, especially um, in this year. And I'll explain why in a minute. So when Adam and I begin our conversation, I talk with him about how I found him and, and chose to work with him. And I share a keyword that I love um, because I was telling him how for quite some time I had been an autodidact. So uh, if you're not familiar with this term, I, I learned this term from a very important teacher and mentor in my life. Her name is Dr. Carissa Terranova. 
I met Dr. Terranova when I was at SMU getting my master's in art history from 2004 to 2006. And because she um, specializes in modern and contemporary, and I was writing my master's thesis on a work from the early 1960s, we naturally work together a lot. Um, and she used this word autodidact, and I was like, love it. So <clears throat> if you break that word down, didact comes from the Greek teach. So when somebody's talking about like uh, a didactic form of speaking or a didactic form of writing, what they mean is um, <clears throat> that it's like its function is to teach, you know. We don't always have to be in that groove when we're speaking, right, or when we're writing, but it's kind of my groove, <laughs> you know, like <clears throat> even when I'm giving like a really mystical reading for someone, I start teaching them about astrology because it's sort of, it's just like my groove. Um, I go didactic. That's what I do. <laughs> and so auto comes from the Greek meaning self. And so autodidact literally means self-teach um, and self-taught. So when you're an autodidact, you're self-taught at whatever the thing is that you're doing. And, you know, we're all really autodidacts. Like we're always helping ourselves learn things, um, even if we don't maybe even realize it, you know. But to be like intentionally an autodidact, which is something that um, I can slip into a lot because I'm very proud of my ability to um, find the right books, like to create the reading list, to like set it all up so that like I follow my own program. Like, excuse me, I've got my own syllabus over here. Like, I don't need a teacher to give me a syllabus. I can make my syllabus, you know. So I'm <clears throat> very proud that way. Because I am a teacher, I sort of like to have um, my own program for learning for myself, right? So I shared with Adam that for quite some time, I had been giving readings as an autodidact. I hadn't been in anyone's programs. I hadn't had anyone to talk to even. Um, I just practiced what I was learning, and uh, I think that there's a lot of validity to being an autodidact at anything that you're doing. In fact, I think it's a really important part of growing your own way, you know, um, and finding your own grooves um, without too much shaping from the outside. And this is what I was really aiming for in the beginning for me as I was learning to trust myself as a reader, and I was really um, stoking and tending a dream for that, right? And I'll tell the story of how I found Adam in the, in the conversation, so I won't go into it, but, um, you know, there comes a point, I think, when you realize that you crave a teacher, you know? And there's that old saying, like, when the student is ready, the teacher appears, you know. And um, I didn't, like, have an array of people that I was, quote-unquote, auditioning or anything like this. 
it just sort of, he just sort of appeared and it was like, and now I'm ready. And then that, that's what it was. You know, it just happened in a very organic way where I was responding to what just kind of came forward. And, um, and yeah, we talk more about that in the conversation, but, um, let me remind you, dear listener, that it is a Hierophant year. Um, in the tarot, we associate the number five card of the major arcana with the card, the Hierophant. Um, and this is a word that uh, the card sometimes been called like the Pope or the High Priest. The, a Hierophant comes from the same root as hieroglyphics meaning like sacred. And a hierophant speaks sacred words. It's like a a hierophant is the part of all of us that can be connected to sacred wisdom teachings and maybe even teach those teachings. It's we're all teachers in a way because what we say can teach people things. You know, we can we can share things with people that guide them even if we don't identifies teachers. And so when you add 2021 digits together, you get five. So it's a Hierophant year. Um, and so if you follow this, um, following the card of the year, you can really notice a lot collectively and personally around the trends, um, the themes of a card being really important in a given year. And like I think, I think a really important part of the Hierophant year teachings that we're all in is really thinking about like where the lines are between ourselves and our teachers. Um, thinking about taking responsibility for the words that we say and like why do we say them? Um, where did we hear that? Is that something that we've just like taken on because it's like an ideology or a way of thinking that just sort of like plopped in and we just accept it as truth or is it something that we know because we've walked it we've lived it we feel it in our bones you know and like really learning to shed and melt away frameworks beliefs ways of thinking about the world that you know, they just sort of came in from the outside, but they're not really who we are. They're not really part of our truth and claiming that, which is very tender and sensitive business. It's also really a year, I feel, of us acknowledging what we don't know, you know, like having the humility to acknowledge what we don't know. Um, that's, a, that's a big part of being a teacher, you can just tell when people are, um, that they have to be right, you know, when they, they have to be the ones who have the answer, um, when they just hold fast in that, like, rigidity, which really, to me, like, you can have almost compassion for it because it's, like, fear of being wrong, fear of being exposed, fear of being not seen anymore as, like, an expert, quote-unquote, um, you know, we're really deconstructing and deprogramming from expertise, like the way that we have been trained in it. And I say this very, like, with 
gravity, with seriousness as someone who's been trained in the academy all of these years, um, so many years of my life. And I don't think I tied it up with Dr. Terranova. She eventually moved to the University of Texas. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, and, and, uh, UTA and that's where, no, 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 UTD. Sorry. I teach at so many different universities around Dallas that I get them mixed up. UTD is <clears throat> where she moved to. And then that's where I went to get my PhD and I finished all my coursework there, so I got really close with her again, and we were going to do my dissertation together, and I was going to write about the visualization of atomic science in the post-war period. <laughs> uh, very Plutonic themes. I still dream about going back and like taking all my research and like just weaving astrology through all of it, and Pluto would be huge, because Pluto was discovered at the time that we were developing these atomic weapons. I diverge. And so the themes of the Hierophant are really big this year. So when I was seeding the year, as you know that I do, if you've been following me for a while, I have a workbook called Seeding the Year, Seeding, S-E-E-D, Dreaming the Year, Planting It, you know. I knew this was a year I'm like going to be teaching like constantly. Like this is my Hierophant year. It's my life card. Um, if you add up the digits of my birthday, it adds up to 32. You have to include your year, March 4th, 1978. Adds up to 32, and then you break that down. Three plus two is five. So my life card is the Hierophant, which of course makes so much sense to me because I've been teaching my dolls since I was four years old and dreaming of being a teacher my whole life. I see the world through the lens of the syllabus. <laughs> so it's just felt like a really big year for me. And what's been happening is I've really been kind of coming into knowing like these are my core classes, these are my passions. And um, so right now, as you know, if you listen to my Leo season episode, I'm at the very beginning of promoting for my seven-month foundational astrology class charting your course 2.0 now <clears throat> we'll be starting september 1st and i'm feeling into like <laughs> you know how to make promoting just feel like the most magical thing ever because it really is magical and being in the magic of like magnetizing of um visualizing a kind of flow that is easeful and beautiful and giving heart-led a kind of flow of bringing people to charting your course it's it's really to charting your course not as much me because i see charting your courses that's like its own entity and drawing people to its energy to come and receive its gifts and work with me and work with Jonathan Coe, my, my co-leader this time. And so those of you who have already signed up for the, the email list on that, thank you. There's so many signups already. It's, it's super exciting. 
um, it's for many of you, you may be like me when I found Adam and I wanted to say yes there is you're moving from that place of perhaps feeling like an autodidact, you know, like feeling like you've, you've been learning so much, like you follow astrologers all over the place. Like you're, you're hungry. You, you, you want to learn more. You, you're coming to a place where like you want to put it inside of a magical container, right? And that's what classes are. Ideally, that's how we feel about them as that you're not the same when you leave because something really profound has happened from working with the material, working with the other people and the beings who also um, were drawn to the class, working with the leaders of the class and um, trusting that on the other side of this, my relation to my relationship to this language and to this toolkit will feel really different. And I will feel so much more grounded. This is how I want it to feel for people coming in. And this is how it felt for me moving in, passing through, and then moving out of Adam's container, right? Is feeling like I left then with this strong rooted sense in my relationship to this language, you know, that's there now. It's like secure. It's a relationship that I can trust and I can feel good about. Um, I want to speak about this idea of influence. So in academia, I learned my first semester of my master's program. If you say someone was influenced by somebody else, like in a, in a writ, in like a publication, you could get fired. Because the word influence is considered too, like, like sorcery. <laughs> it's like influence. Somebody's influencing you, like doing magical spells on you. And so I wanted to think about this because we, we actually, all of us use the word all the time. But like, why is this such a, um, this a charged word in academia? Let's think about it in relationship to teachers and students and te- and like the relationship that goes back and forth there. So I looked up, um, I love looking up etymology online. <clears throat> so influence, it's the first thing it says, is it's a late 14th century astrological term. Quote, streaming ethereal power from the stars when in certain positions, acting upon character or destiny of men. From the old French influence, influence, emanation from the stars that acts upon one's character and destiny. Also, a flow of water, a flowing in, from the medieval Latin influentia, a flowing in, also used in the astrological sense, it says, um, meaning to flow into, stream in, pour in, into, in, upon, um, from flow, as in fluent, fluent. Um, yes, yeah, so, so isn't that fascinating that this word influence, which is considered too magical to use in academia, is actually an astrological term in its etymology. Influence, acting upon the character or destiny of men. And so when I think about like, 
what was Adam's influence on me or what's Johnny, Jenny Nicholas's influence on me? Like what's Caroline W. Casey's influence on me? You know, it's like, there is a flowing in, right? Like we feel a flowing in of the shaping. Sometimes we use the words we heard our teachers use and they come out of our mouths and we kind of know right we know in our head like oh that's that's her word that's their word you know and I think the real key here in this Hierophant year with thinking about influence right because at some point it can border on plagiarism at some point at some point it can be theft in another way you can go into parroting you can go into mimicry right like I am not interested in those things. Um, I'm interested in a flowing in, you know, but also a flowing out. I'm interested in a flowing in and a transformation of that which flows in with my own stuff, like with my own destiny, with my own character, with my own ethereal power and um, transforming anything that I might receive from an external teacher, mentor, into my own relationship and intimacy with anything that I'm doing. So it's, it's becomes more, it becomes like mine then. It's not parroting, it's not theft, right? So as a teacher, I'm always talking about stuff like that because with when I'm working with students, it's really important to be also building skill set, right? Like skill set around the ability, how you receive other people's teachings and what to do with them, right? In an ethical way that you can feel is in, in integrity with yourself and with the planets and with your teacher, you know? So I feel, I feel really excited to share Adam's voice with you because I feel like it will be fun for you, <laughs> if, especially if you've been following for a while, to feel um, and sense Adam's influence, his magical influence on my way of talking or my way of speaking about astrology and also noticing like how my voice is different than Adam's. And Adam is one of those really great teachers that completely allows you to have your own space and your own voice and is really not interested in um, just giving you a bunch of stuff for you to then just go take and copy, you know? And that is something really that I wanted from my teacher and it's something that I want from my students. So... Let's move into talking about Adam then, because I'm excited to share this conversation. I'm not sure how much detail we get into Adam's chart. So let me, we, we may speak of it without grounding the listener. So let me just say briefly to ground you into Adam's chart. The basics of Adam's chart are that He's a Virgo rising, so you can visualize that. I always like to give rising first because that allows you to like set the first house into place. So you can see Virgo rising chart. So many Virgo risings in my life, as many of you know. 
And then you can visualize a Scorpio moon in the third house. And then up at the top in the 10th house, his Gemini sun at the very top of the chart. Bright Gemini sun. So that's a Mercury ruled chart because of its Virgo rising. But it's also, and it's also a Mercury ruled sun. So strong Mercury, and we talk a lot about Mercury in our conversation. Um, let me read a little bit from Adam's website bio. I'm going to skip the beginning because it covers stuff that we talk about and jump to when he began, uh, working with astrology publicly, which came through the podcast, um, spring of 2009, y'all, that was a long time ago. I'm going to read first person. This is Adam speaking. I recorded the first episode of Exploring Astrology. Little did I know it was going to be the first of hundreds and change the course of my entire life. Since then, I've interviewed almost all of the astrologers you could ever want to speak with, given thousands of readings, and developed an ever-changing mythopoeic approach to astrology, one deeply interested in what I like to think of as cosmonosis the living myth of it all. This is Britain interjecting that cosmonosis is Adam's Instagram handle. Cosmos gnosis, gnosis as in wisdom, right? Back to Adam's voice. At this point, the seed has become a tree that has provided me enough shade to sit under and contemplate for long afternoons about where to next. In early 2018, I changed the name of the podcast to Holes to Heavens with the intention of inviting in more of the mythic and archetypal contents of Psyche. Since doing so, it has become clear where Fortuna's wheel turns next, a recovery of all the old stories attached to our beloved signs and planets, and to begin telling those stories in hopefully entertaining yet healing ways. I am certified by Maurice Fernandez, who is co-founder of OPA, the Organization of Professional Astrologers. This means I have a piece of paper on my wall that I can certify you as well, which I do through my apprentice program. And he says that he's dreaming of that. And um, now I believe it's my understanding that Adam has already begun this journey. So you can find out about learning with Adam at his website, holstevens.com. He currently lives in Dartmoor, UK. To be of the most, my intention, he says, to be of the most assistance I can be to you and the rest of the astrological mythical world by animating these stories, these skies, and these ways of understanding in a way that gets you more excited each time you read or listen to my work. I also pray that through my work, you find a couple of holes to travel down and that you find some heaven by doing so. So without further ado, then I'm going to share with you my conversation with my teacher, Adam Summer.
Hi, Adam. Thank you for being here on Moon to Moon. Well, thanks for having me, Moon to Moon. Yeah. It's an honor to have my teacher in this space. And so thank you, thank you, thank you for all that you have brought to my life. And I'm so excited to just banter with you. Let's do it. Let's riff moon to moon. What is the what is the aspect between our moons? Is that something you cover in the show? Moon uh, to moon. Just curious. <laughs> is that part of the title? Well, moon to moon. If like what comes to mind when I think of that is like, well, you've got a moon, I've got a moon. And is it the moon to moon as like the yeah, the banter, the conversation, the interview, but is it something you explore with who you talk to? Just both the moons, that is. That is so cool. I never thought about that. Um, <laughs> That's the first thing that comes to mind <laughs> when I think of it. That's awesome. I have asked some guests, what does it mean when you hear that phrasing? And so that's really mm. cool because it's open enough of a title that it can mean all kinds of things, which I like. Um, I think of moon to moon more meaning like process, um, like month to month or phase to phase cycle to cycle. Um, and on the podcast, I talk about cycle and just like living in process and living with planets and stories and energies and holding yourself through different things. Um, mm -hmm. So that's the, what the title has resonated with for me, but I absolutely love that. And I'm um, like, for us, it's a sex style because I'm a Capricorn um, moon at 13. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I would mean. Yeah. That counts. <laughs> Very so, cool. um, but actually my solar return chart for this year is Virgo rising with the Scorpio moon. So I'm, I'm living that. Yeah. Day. You get to experience a uh, 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 angle of what it is like to be me. Yes. I was actually thinking, um, before we hopped on, I was like, I would really like to Scorpio moon the shit out of this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> whatever that means but okay let's do it just like go go into deep places if that feels good for you <laughs> but that's how I like talking yeah um so I wanted to begin by sharing with you how I found your work and resonated with you and felt a call to study with you really mm -hmm. because I think it's really nice to hear that um, from someone. And by way of me sharing that, I think it will also introduce people to, um, to you and how one might resonate with you. Although I'm sure there are many different ways to resonate with your teachings. Um, so if, that's how I'd like to begin. Um, so I make hear the tale. Okay. So I was like early 2019, and I was communicating with someone I'd met through the tarot community of Instagram. And I was talking about being an astrologer. And she said, um, well, what kind of astrologer are you? And I was like, pausing. Um, like, I don't even know. 
I don't know what kind of astrologer I am. And so she, I, I was mostly an autodidact. I mean, I just read books and kind of just stared at charts and felt into charts and was kind of making things up because I didn't have like a teacher in real time. And so um, I was like, well, what I'm really interested in is how to be with the planets and like connect with the planets relationally and help people develop intimacy with the planets and the teachings of the planets. And both generally through story, but also intimately through one's chart. And so I was like, I guess you could say I'm really into archetypes. And this person said, well, you must really like Adam Summer. I was like, I don't know who that is. So I started listening to your podcast, which I think was under its current name at that time. Is that correct? Timing wise, like it was like February, March, 2019. Yep. The yeah. transition, I think, was in the fall of 2018. Okay. And um, the first episode I listened to, I chose um, Myth and Astrology with Jason Hawley because it had mm. the word myth in it. And I was like, okay, if I'm going to try this person out, like that's a good titling. <laughs> I want to hear how they talk about myth and astrology. And that episode is so great. I've listened to it many times. Um, and I still love the following Jason Hawley too. Um, it's just such a great episode. And then I listened to the Chiron and Aries episode that you did. And I was so moved by your descriptions of Chiron. I felt like Chiron in my body, as you were talking about Chiron, you did a little horoscope section for each rising sign. That was like weeping. Um, at the horoscope for me, because you may remember this, that year, 2019, um, Chiron was coming up on my ascendant at the beginning of Aries at the same time that Uranus was beginning to transit over my natal Chiron. And so I felt myself like called into Chiron storytelling, but it was like, who is telling these stories? Like, where's Chiron, you know? And so that particular episode just really drew me in and I then I went to your website and I saw you had a Chiron journey offering which is like three separate hours of Chiron so I gifted that to myself as a birthday gift and then um and absolutely loved that experience with you very very deep really really helpful it's like such medicine that I needed in that year of my life and then you said uh, that you had this apprenticeship and I hadn't known that I wanted to, a teacher, but then when you said that, it was like a full body, yes, this is the person I wanna be my teacher. And then we began and uh, you were kind to let me do it in kind of a faster mode. And um, I got to have an hour with you every month then to talk astrology. And I look forward to those so much because I feel like we would kind of just plunge right into these deep spaces with the planets. And that's where I wanted to be with them. And so, yeah, <laughs> I'm really grateful nice. that uh, like someone suggested I look up your work and um, I felt that you were 
very gifted at holding me into those like introductions of the deeper places to go and those intimacies, um, particularly with Chiron, but really all of them. I also want to brag on you, how you, um, I love how you invite in personal gnosis, like the way you um, trust in your own language and your own connectedness with the with the planets whether they come through dream space or through meditation or just whatever you're doing to relate with them um trusting in your own capacity to make meaning with the planets was a real special invitation for me as someone that um loves connecting through personal gnosis and I, I needed to hear that it's not all in the books necessarily, you know, like the technical language is important, but it's through these relationships with the planets and our personal gnosis that we can really, really create those, um, the connections with this language and live it, you know? And so, yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you for, for sharing that story. I remember very well where I was when I talked to Jason for the first time and then did the Chiron show. I was in Santa Fe. It was like the beginning of what I was calling the weird road, <clears throat> which I suppose I'm, I'm still on. I find myself in the Southwest of England. And when you were listening to those shows and when we even started the, the work together, like I had no idea where it was going to lead me. It was just one of those moments in life that I had to kind of set myself adrift. And like you mentioned, I, I changed the name of, of my podcast around that time from exploring astrology to holes to heavens. And uh, yeah, it's beautiful to hear your reflections and it's what it's about. It's, it's a resonance. It's soul making that I'm most interested in with astrology and it's been like a 13 year journey at this point. And the more and more I do get comfortable, I suppose, with like the storytelling element of it and just straying from the astrology as well and kind of doing whatever I want to do with my writing and who I'm talking to, I suppose, on the podcast. It's been, it's been a good journey of trust where like people like yourself have been attracted to it during that time of transition and there's like a really incredible resonance that seems to happen and then i'm sure it's repelled just as many but it's perfect because it like refines the environment it purifies the space in my mind around around i guess the approach to all of this stuff and so yeah it's beautiful to hear your story with it Thank you. Yeah, I remember the weird road. Um, I feel like one of our conversations, maybe several, you were like pulling over on the side of the road. <laughs> I remember one of them in Montreal, actually, very clearly. I was, I was like, I parked, yeah, in like this big city park in Montreal before I was to meet up with a friend. <laughs> that's, wow. that's what it was. I was just, yeah, driving around the driving around North America, I suppose, visiting friends and family, doing events and 
just just waiting for the spirit to be clear with me it's like this is where you're supposed to be and like for context i've been pretty much based in colorado for like a decade and you know time was up i'm sure you know what that feels like and a lot of the listeners know what that feels like it was just time was up and i needed to go and i had zero idea that that i would end up falling in love in the southwest of england being pretty much stuck country to country in the middle of a pandemic <laughs> as well it had, i mean the relationship has been amazing but like the technicalities of this relationship have been pretty rough because yeah like we met a few months before covid well six months before and then just the coming and going but like i i still feel it like i'm at the end result of that weird road that we're referring to and it does it feels clunky because of covid do you feel like um part of this is like uranus moving through taurus in your ninth house long-term it's, it's, it's a huge part of the story yeah i mean if we're going to bring transits into it like it, that one is is fascinating in the sense that it's a strong case for whole sign as well so like if there's any people listening that have you know issue with looking at the chart outside of say placidus or whatever you use like i remember very clearly uh within the hour of Uranus ingressing into Taurus, which was in May of uh, 2018. There was a, I'm not gonna tell the whole story, it's too much, but it, there was just a, a moment, like an, we'll just say an invitation for me to go to Greece. And I was actually driving, seems like I drive a lot. <laughs> I don't even have a car here, but I used to drive a lot. And I was on the way to, my second astrology retreat that I was hosting and I got this invitation to go to Crete and I had never been to Europe at this point. And so I pulled to the side of the road as I do, I guess. <laughs> and I, I, I signed up for the storytelling retreat uh, and didn't end up going until like six months later in the fall of 2018, but going to Crete, I think was to me the the beginning of Uranus moving through my ninth house and something awakened in me as well going to Crete being American having traveled but not a lot definitely haven't traveled to Europe at that point it just showed me a, a different way of living that I was very interested in and so since <clears throat> it's still in my ninth house, right? And what it's been doing in, in, in the years since is opposing my moon. And so it literally has suddenly stripped me from home and plopped me into this, into this strange old land of Avalon. And yeah, just, I love it. But again, like COVID makes it very uneasy. Like there's nothing easy about the weird road. Britain at this point like it's it's tough so it has a lot to do with it yeah yeah I think there's um there's something really um visceral about or like it, what I'm getting at is when you're working with someone closely like a teacher 
and they're moving, the teacher is moving through a lot, a change, right? And a lot of like reinvention and um, just the uncertainty in that case, simply of like geography, you know, but you had, you had changed your, your podcast right before we met. So there were some changes there, I guess you could say too, right? Um, I feel like there's, there's, there's a lot of gifts in working with someone when they're moving through change, because um, it's almost like as maybe as things were being pulled away from you, you were also identifying like what you wanted to come to you. And that was uh, coming through in your gifts, I feel like. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that makes sense. I mean, if I, I'll try to put that into my own words and tell me if, if, if it's what you mean that, yeah, like when you're going through a huge change, like there's not much you're traveling with, right? Like, I mean, of course you can think of it as the physical things you're traveling with, but also everything that you're familiar with your friends and your haunts and all your spots and routines of, of wherever you were living before. And so you don't have much like, and so like, what do you lean on and, and, and where do you go? And for me, it's like during that period, it was just a constant refinement of, of really what I think is most important in this work. And it's just, I would say been a simplification of it in a big way. Like I noticed I had pretty much around that time stopped taking in any astrology yeah. Uh, like not listening to anything, not reading anything, but still completely engaged because I still work with students and give readings and all of that create. But I stopped dieting at all on, on astrological content and started getting my calories elsewhere. And I think that had a huge impact as well of just, I suppose, constellating a lot of the ideas and that's what's beautiful about astrology is because once you know the language, then you can cross-reference and stitch concepts together. It's like, ah, oh, this makes so much sense. Like, of course, this relates to, say, Uranus in the ninth house or something like that. And yeah, is that kind of what you mean? Yes. Like just the refinement of <laughs> gifts because, yeah. Yeah, I mean... Um... I think that sometimes you work with someone and the person is working like with material or with a state of being that's kind of been there a while and they're just sort of like showing mm -hmm. up and it's fine, you know, it's, but um, I, I think that it can be pretty awesome to work with someone when they're in a, in their own like seeking mode to anchor into what most matters amongst change they're in the middle of change does that make sense mm -hmm. yeah 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 there's a lot of room for discovery and you had mentioned something in your story at the beginning of when you were asked like what kind of astrologer are you yeah and that question of course has been asked to me many times as well it's like well what kind of astrology do you do and sometimes people are like well if, if, if you don't do this type of astrology I actually don't want to work with you it's like okay like that's fine too because my answer is similar to yours like i i do astrology i don't really find myself identifying with with any of the tribes or branches of the astro tree i think 
it's really, really important to remain open and curious to all of them. I mean, there's great fruit on all of the branches. And if you're not overly tribalistic, then you can travel amongst the others and learn by conversing and listening. And that's essentially what I've built my career around is just talking to different astrologers and other interesting folk and kind of taking what I find really useful and say if it's an astrological technique, testing it over and over and over again. And those techniques that have proven themselves to me over time, like that's what I keep around. And it's just become quite simple, right? Like using basic transits. I do like working with synodic cycles. Um, I use one time Lord technique, which is the Vimshotri Dasa um, system and a little bit of progressions. Like that's it. Like it doesn't have to be too complicated. And I have found in that, which is what I try to teach, like what you got from, from the apprenticeship is, is to offer what I've learned. And then you take what's useful, discard the rest, but the encouragement is a living relationship to all of these gods and to see where that can take you because your approach is going to be different. And that's why like, I like to teach the way I teach. Because like, when you started learning with me as well, it was, it was a fallback to an original way I had been doing things. Forever, it was always one-on-one. -on -one. I always did it one-on-one. -on -one. And then there was a two-year stretch where I was doing it in groups. And I didn't find that very effective. Or I guess enjoyable in the same way as a one-on-one -on -one dynamic because... Like when you get to work with someone one-on-one, -on -one, not only is the transmission better of the information, but there's a bond that happens that can't in a group. And there's, there's very little room for misunderstanding as well, I feel. And, and so, yeah, you, you basically got that, I guess, <laughs> that very quickly changing, but hopefully old school and purified version of... <laughs> of my astro transmission yes yes i love the classes that the mix of the the class the the like the lecture that i would receive and then the ability to talk and i loved that you allowed the space for the conversation to really go with what was living in me that particular month not even necessarily um staying too close to the lecture so that worked really well for me but I want to they never seem to not to interrupt but yeah on topic it never seems to stay on topic for some reason but go on well I um I did want to back up and really because so many people that listen to this podcast are people who are discovering astrology and allowing it to claim them basically and allowing it to come into their lives and I think hearing stories about connecting to astrology and um, whether one is like resisting it or like just diving in, I think it's really helpful um, for people to hear those stories. So do you mind sharing a little bit about how astrology came to you? Like a pro I like to imagine that astrology kind of like comes to us, you know, mm -hmm. and then um, like, 
how long did it take till you began the podcast? And I'm just interested in hearing all of those things and like how how did the podcast get going? Like when did you start realizing like, oh my gosh, a lot of people are listening to this podcast, <laughs> you know, and just, uh, right. just some of your basic story I would love to, for people to hear about. I think there was a few visits that, that astrology paid me um, throughout the years. I think the first one, I was probably 19, 18 or 19. And I remember pretty clearly, I, I was at a friend's house and it was pretty late. I think it was like after we had gone and seen a show or something like that. And we all went back to her house and she had the birthday book on her table. And if you're familiar with the birthday book, it's just, you know, a big book that has your birthday and it has like a name to it and all this different information about that day. So I knew nothing about astrology at this point. I was definitely into, at that point in my life, philosophy. I was probably reading Nietzsche at the time, a little bit of Jung. Like I was primed for these ideas to get in there. But anyway, I open up the birthday book and the first thing I see on my birthday is Bob Dylan's face. And like that was enough to just have that moment of shocking me. I was like, like, what are you doing there, Bobby? Because I was in the process of doing what I'd never really done before, chronologically going through an artist's entire catalog of music and actually like really learning about where they were at in their life and what some of the songs were, were about and just doing that with Bob Dylan. And I never had much interest in Dylan's music up to that point. I've always been into music, but Dylan just never made his way really into my life until this point. So I was just listening systematically through all of it. And it was around the time he had re released uh, a or autobiography called Chronicles as well. So I was like reading that, listening to it. I was completely immersed in Bob Dylan. And then I find out we have the same birthday, right? And there was this significance there. And I like read the pages within it. And there was a lot of significance there as well. There was one I remember that really jumped out that relate related to physical weaknesses to the body of someone born on May 24th. And it spoke very specifically about the hands and the vulnerability to inflammation in the hands, which at the time I was having early arthritis in my hands because I've pretty much broke all my fingers and my wrists multiple times. I used to be a crazy, like BMX kid when and just athlete in general, but I've broken everything in, in, in my arms and hands. And I was paying for it. I was 19. It was worrisome. So there was a few things I remember from reading that. That was the first one. Second visit, when astrology knocked on my door, was a complete accident, actually, because I had this professor in college that we kind of worked around the history of Western astrology with this book called The Passion of the Western Mind by Richard Tarnas. And I remember really liking that book because it was a book that helped both create a deeper interest in, in in Western philosophy, but I also really understood a lot of the ideas 
that, you know, they're somewhere in my head at this point, but like Rick does a good job in that book of, of getting us acquainted with how we got here as far as how we see the world. And so I'm in acupuncture school, probably it's 2006 or seven. And I remember being in this bookstore and on the end cap uh, of this bookstore, I see this new release and it's called Cosmos and Psyche by Richard Tarnas. And I'm like, I, that's the same guy that wrote Passion of the Western Mind. And I picked it up and there was like a quote from Stanislav Grof on the book. I was like, wow, I love Grof. And I just like opened up and, you know, it seemed interesting enough to buy it, but I did not think it was an astrology book. And even when I started reading it, not until like 50 pages in, did I realize that it was a book about astrology. And so I ended up reading the whole damn thing, which is a pretty heavy book and finding it all like really interesting and of course dense, but it never once dawned on me that like I had an astrology chart to look at or anything for myself, right? Like I just was hearing him out on these ideas with planetary cycles and stuff. And I found it interesting. That's the end of that story. And then like jump ahead, probably like a year or two and my partner and I at the time moved to the Pacific Northwest and started meeting astrologers just within the circles we were running in. I met a few of them and so did a couple trades, got a few readings. The first two, I don't even remember. So obviously they didn't really have an impact. But the third one that I did kind of changed my life. And it was, it was from my dear friend, Ari Moshe. And he just said some specific things that were kind of orbiting around Pluto in the nodes. And it's because of his influence with evolutionary astrology and Jeff Green's work. It just really hit something like on a soul level. And I was like, I don't know how you could have pulled that out of my chart, but I needed to hear it. And what I need now is to learn how you did it. You know, so we moved in. My, my partner and I moved in with Ari, and then I read all of his astrology books or a lot of them. And we used to like watch video, like old VHS tapes of Maurice Fernandez talking about Neptune on rainy days. This was happening in Olympia, Washington, by the way, a very rainy place. And that kind of was the beginning of it. Like, I, that's when I really began studying astrology and you know, having him there, he wasn't exactly my teacher. He was more just a friend that was present in the beginning. Um, so it was great to have him around to bounce these ideas off of. And by the time we left, we actually moved back to Colorado. And when we got back to Colorado, it was 2009. And one of the first ideas I had when we got back there was to start a podcast so that I could have an excuse to talk to people like Stephen Forrest and Maurice and many of these other characters that were really influential, influential on me in the beginning years. And so I did. No one even knew what a podcast was. I still remember like the first conversation I had with Stephen, like he was on his landline when we were, it sounds so old, it was 2009, but still like it was Stephen on his landline. The sound quality was terrible. But it was amazing like to be able to like talk to Steven and we did many others after that before, of course, podcasts got big. And then I'm sure he was getting 20 emails a day from people on their podcast, you know. 
Um, and that's kind of how it started. So it was like really organic. And in the beginning of, of the show, it was, I'd say like the first dozen of them were just me talking to astrologers who had like read their book or, had, you know, because even YouTube wasn't a thing that, that much back then. So it was more like authors I had read and I wanted to talk to. And then I, you know, after about a few months, I started branching off and doing my own solo shows and just getting really creative with it, with music. And I mean, the same way it is now, but rudimentary and very much a beginner with it. But people were listening, like not a ton, but people were definitely listening. And, and folks started asking me if I taught astrology. And I'm like, oh, shit, do I teach? I don't know, I guess. And so I, I put together a program for like the first handful of folks and I just started doing it one-on-one -on -one. and the, the saying is not cliche. It's like to continue, learn, teach. And so through teaching, like I, I mean, it just deepened and deepened and it still does. Like every month when I teach my classes, I see it as an opportunity to deepen my understanding and my relationship to whatever it is I'm talking about. And uh, yeah, that was like, what, almost 13 years ago. So that's kind of the story. It was three visits from, wow. from, from astrology. And then it just got in there. And I, I think it's important to add, Britain, that I never, ever would have thought that I would be an astrologer. And one of the reasons I can say it so confidently is that like I went to Naropa University for my undergrad for a couple of years. And if you're not familiar, it's kind of like a Buddhist university in, in Boulder. And people do ask your sun sign before your name often. Like it's that kind of an environment. And I, I really wasn't into astrology, like just like the energy around it. And like, whenever people would bring it up, I, I just, there was no interest there for me at all. And so I guess I just needed a proper introduction and then it needed to find me at the right time. And then when it did, it really, it really feels like I've had no choice, but to just continue, continue forth uh, with it. And so that's kind of where I'm at. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And then, so how do you, um, I know you say you said that teaching kind of allows you to deepen anew. What are other ways that you keep it, keep like the love, keep the romance alive with the language? Yeah, I mean, living it, it's really it. And I think, I mean, it happens on so many levels, but I think the most important of them for me is getting uh, a deeper understanding every single synodic cycle. And so what I mean by that, I mean, like, you know, similar to a lunation cycle, but Mercury and Venus are probably the two planetary cycles that I track the closest. And I would even, if I were to say, if there's like one that is always on my mind, it's Mercury. And understanding how these cycles work and what's actually happening in our psyche during them has been an absolute, uh, I would say transformation to my understanding of how astrology might work, but also uh, constantly renewed interest in it because it's 
essentially living your life, but with this fantastic filter that helps build context to it. And like the way I think of it is like, we are very much being dreamt by something ineffable. And these planets are in a way like emissaries from different realms, like the way Plato thought about it. Like there's these seven heavens and then the prime mover on the outside and the soul passes through them on our way in and passes through them on the way out. But I feel like the gods, these planetary archetypes are, 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 are multidimensional and ever present. And at certain parts of this or at every part of the cycle, like when we're tuning into them, there is information there for us. And you just need the eyes and the ears to see it. And then you throw in dreams and, and then it's just, it, it gets to be too much to even piece together. Because if you're trying to understand your dreams through what's happening in the sky and all of your experiences and throughout the day, there's just so much information. You can't really handle all of it. And so for me, it's just like keeping it really simple and tracking these different planetary cycles and trying not to get lost with everything else that's happening and just being really aware of how it's working. And as an example, like we just moved through a beginning of another Mercury cycle. It always happens when Mercury is retrograde and no better way of saying it, but he showed me what happens during a retrograde, like aside from all the tricks and all the shenanigans that, that he pulls on us during the retrogrades, they're all coded messages. And I, I think of them as like MRIs, like Mercury retrograde interventions. And they are trying to get us on, on this path where there is an idea that is there to claim us. And it's our job to incubate this idea, to learn everything about it, see where it takes us for the entirety of the cycle. So that's roughly 120 days, depending on the different Mercury cycles. And so from beginning until end, what you witness is that there is a particular idea or string of concepts that catches your imagination. And then you go on a journey with Hermes as your teacher. And it's, it, it seems really esoteric, but it's not because like at the beginning of the journey, there will be a book or a podcast or a conversation that shows up that throws on a light. And then you're like, Ooh, I want that book. Or I want more of that conversation or the ideas that came up in there. And that's when the, like the, the, the adventure begins with it. And then you just start going about your, your, your whole adventure with it. And then by the end of it, it'll have changed you. It'll have brought you closer to wholeness even. And it's, it's an incredible thing. And that's just Mercury being able to do something like that. And so I think that's how it stays alive because I still don't take in any astrological calories, Britain, aside from experience. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 teaching and giving readings so yeah i call it um doing field research on yourself um yeah and i i was always um really inspired by what 
like that you clearly had data. Like, you're not just like talking, you know, it's like the, there's like data from cycle to cycle of you listening and working with us and paying attention and like your own evidence seems to have priority over like what anybody else might say about what a phase means or something like that, you know? And that I felt was really inspiring for um, like a, a personal living connection to this world. So that is beautiful. And it seems too like, um, because I think of you as like very multi, you know, and you were saying you have all these other interests, like it seems like uh, you are also really in tune with the other worlds, the other fields, and other teachers that might want to come to you. And that just infuses your astrological work. True. Very true. Yeah. It's just like, essentially when, like, if we bring it back to the Mercury, if like a particular idea comes through and it's like, as an example, there was like with this time around at the beginning of the cycle, which I think it was June 11th, I was getting my hair cut. And there was this like magical encounter that didn't really happen, but it did where this old woman walked into the salon and then left again. And then the lady cutting my hair was like, you know, you need to know that woman. I was like, why? She's like, well, cause she's from the States as well. And it seems like you guys exist in the same world. Cause I was explaining to her what I do. She's like, well, she writes, books on fairy tales and mythology. And she's actually a really known, well-known writer. And she's friends with Brian Frude and, and Alan Lee and all these characters that are in Dartmoor here. And I was like, what, really, who is she? And he's like, well, her name is Terry Windling. And I hadn't heard of this, this woman before. And so when I got home, I looked her up and realized immediately that one of her books was on my shelf. And the reason why it was is because Tansy, my partner, got me this book called The Woodwife for Christmas. And she didn't really even know why she got it for me. She just had heard that this woman's from Dartmoor and that I would probably like it. But she hadn't read it and she had no idea what the book was about. And so I was like, all right, tip of the hat to Mercury. I was like, I guess I'm reading The Woodwife and we'll see what's in here, Right. And it was an extraordinary experience. I mean, the, the book took place between the American Southwest and Tucson and Dartmoor. And somehow like Henry Miller's in it and Anais Nin is in it. And this beautiful concept of how artists and poets clothe or they, 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 they in a way give shape and clothe the spirits of land. And, and it's just like this very magical realist story that got me very excited to write again, which I need to be excited because I'm writing one of these little wooden books right now. And I was, I was feeling blocked <laughs> up until that point. And so I didn't even meet Terry. I did reach out to her. I, I invited her over for tea. I haven't even heard back, but it doesn't even matter. Like it was the fact that she came through, the book was there. And then in the book, there were so many uh, insights into the way she writes, into what she's doing, into just important reminders that I needed to hear 
to get me set and going on this Mercury cycle in Gemini. And how did I get here exactly? <laughs> it was important that I shared it, but oh yeah, other teachers, other teachers yeah. and, you know, from other realms. And exactly. It's like, like she's a, you know, fantasy writer, mainly around fairy tales and, and stuff like this. And like, I went deep into it and it just, it, it like, I think the more you pay attention to, especially like a Mercury cycle, you begin to understand it's like, ah, this is where my mind needs to be focused and energy goes where attention goes. And so if our attention is on the vicious news cycle and just gossiping with our friends and family, it's like a pretty waste of a pretty good waste of Mercury energy and a cycle. And so for me, I have pretty good discernment and boundaries around such things. And it's like, I want my calories as I've been referencing to be hardy and I want my focus and my output to be, I suppose, a reflection of what I'm taking in. So I, I think I'm really careful these days of, of what I do listen to and watch. And I just have, have Mercury show me what it is I need to be learning. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's pretty simple. Yeah. Would you say that um, Mercury is, the planet that you feel the most connected to in terms of like, it's been easeful. It's um, like, I feel like there's some archetypes that we might uh, feel naturally connected to and others that we more work with and kind of try to rewrite our stories with them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if, if, if my chart is showing, it's clear that, you know, Mercury rules my chart, other in, important parts of it as well. And, and so, yeah, the more I learn about Mercury, and there's always more to learn as, as you go deeper and deeper and deeper into this material, the more I realize, like, yeah, like, this is what I'm made of. Like, it's like, like his stories, it's everything about it. And like from just my, I guess, mercurial disposition to the fact that like I am by default and I notice this, like when I get close to people, like I just like so unconsciously step into the trickster role. Like I'm always fucking with people. Like that's just my <laughs> default. That's what I do. And I've had to learn over the years. It's not okay to be like that with everybody no matter how close you are to them. Cause some people, they, they don't like to be messed with like that. You know, it's always a learning curve for me of like, who can, who can deal with, with this level of trickery that wants to come through me. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mercury is easy. And then, yeah, the more challenging ones, like I think there's ways of understanding that in the chart too. Like if you have planets in the 12th house, or even the ruler of your 12th house, like that will oftentimes show you like what, you know, an aspect of psyche that you're more unaware of than say the ruler of your chart that's so present, right? Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I wanted to ask you about, to go a little deeper there because I was, I when I go through my journals, I always see like, Adam says, I need to figure out the story there. <laughs> Adam says that if I'm not clear what the story is by the end of this cycle, like I need to keep back. 
watching. <laughs> um, yeah, so I was wondering if there, um, I, I wanted to speak to how important story is to you. Um, I feel like that's a word that you use all the time, or at least you were in the period when we were communicating a lot. And just like how, how story moved forward for you as sort of one of the central things that you help people do is like locate stories, rewrite stories and, and tell, don't let me tell you what you do. Feel free to amend anything that I'm saying, but it feels like that you're particularly gifted in helping people identify the story they're telling and locate things in the chart around that and then come up with an, a new story or like how to make it more empowering for them in their lives or more magical, like shift it, you know? So I'm curious how story like became more, came central to your work. Um, and if you have like teachers there that you would point to and also if there's like a, a particular placement in your chart that you feel like you've done the most story reprogramming, like story rewriting around? Nice question. Yeah, it definitely wasn't that way in the beginning. Like me having that focus around story and just being able to open up so many facets of the chart like that, as an example, the nodes of the moon. Like the South Node, a way of opening up that is by thinking of it as old stories. And with the North Node, the story that we're writing, it's it's a helpful way of phrasing it instead of just the past and the future. Like, because we are the storytellers. I mean, the world is made of stories. It's what we do as human beings. Like, we share stories. I mean, I don't know what else we do. Like, that's literally what we do. <laughs> Right. And so with ourselves, it's really important. Like when you think of, say, the South Node as the old stories, well, how do we tell those stories? Do we tell them true as they, as they are? Or do we embellish them? Or do we leave parts out that are convenient? Or are there parts that we've completely forgotten because they're like ripped out pages or they were burnt or crumbled up and thrown into the bin? There's a lot of issues with the old stories because of memory and working with astrology in, in the way I try to, like in this mythopoetic sense and with dreams and all of it, is it gives you access to the information your conscious mind can't conjure up. It comes from non-local places. And when you capture those images, when 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 they enter in surprising ways then like it it helps you to understand the stories that you're that you're carrying and when it comes to the story that we're writing i mean i think the most important thing around that is is it really your own story that you're writing because there's so much influence from friend and family and culture and religion and just the whole zeitgeist narrative is it really your story like what story are you in? And it's just very simple talking about the nodes and in and, and this type of a context. And when you begin to kind of ease in and 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 go deeper and deeper in, into the nodes in this kind of a way, you realize that as profound as our stories are, we're not our stories. 
So it's a bit of a paradox, everything I just said, but it's so important because the world is made of stories and it's what we do. But what we also do is overly identify with the stories of yeah. who we were or who we're meant to be. And that's a problem as well. And so, yeah, paradox. I think it's, I think it's really important to live with paradox and, and, and to live with mystery as well. There's so much mystery in a chart. There's so much mystery in just how astrology works. And I think so many folks don't like living with that mystery or even the skeptics of something like astrology. They, they don't like it being a mystery either. They just explain it away with what science or rationale they have. It's impossible for something like Pluto at the edge of the solar system to have any influence on a person. Anyone who's studied Pluto and watched it move around the chart would probably disagree with that, <laughs> right? It's like, yeah, it's not, it's not about that. Like it's about something else entirely. And, and, and so like mystery and paradox. And I, I think that's a huge part of, of where the stories take us as well. It's like, it leads you to the edge of the great abyss and you're like, wow, this is all fascinating still. <laughs> Like it's always fascinating. So yeah, stories and then, oh, the part about influence. Yeah, yeah, I, I, lots of influences. I mean, I think it was back in 2011, 2011, 2012, when a friend gave me a copy of Martin Shaw's Branch from a Lightning Tree. It was his first book and there's not many moments I can even remember that were similar to what happened to me when I started reading Martin Shaw's work. Like it literally just flipped something awake inside of my approach to writing of like, what's even allowed with prose. Like when I was in Crete with him, like I told him, I was like, it, like when I started reading your work and the way you told stories, it just gave me full permission to leap over the hedgerow and just say, fuck it. Like anything is possible. And, and it was amazing like to have him as an influence. And so I got really into Martin's work and he's essentially, he's a storyteller and a, a very gifted one at that, but he's also a wilderness, uh, vig as he called wilderness vigil guide. So like four days on the hill, no food, no water, like really intense work like that. And both are parallel interests of mine. Like, like doing do deep work um, in the wild. And that's a part of myself that's always needing more work and more time for in this digital age and then storytelling. And so that brought it in. And then like more people like Michael Mead and Martine Prechtel and Robert Bly and Stephen Jenkinson and all these storytellers started coming into my awareness. And it changed everything. It like brought new friends into my life it brought a deeper understanding into my astrology and the approach to all of this. And um, so that was huge. And I, I still feel like that's a massive part of where I'm at. It's just figuring out, well, like, what do I do with this? Right. Cause there's these stories of the planets, these stories of the science, these stories all around our astrology but to this day, I haven't found anyone that tells the stories like I feel like they can be told. 
like not in the way that some of these characters I just listed off can tell stories. And it's like, well, who's doing that for astrology? And then like, I feel like, okay, well, maybe I'm supposed to, but like, I, I just feel overwhelmed by it. And so I try, that's what I try to do on my podcast. That's what I try to do when I'm teaching about this stuff. It's just kind of get my wings and move from this fledgling phase. But it's very clear that there's a marriage an alchemical wedding that, hap that has happened between those two parts of myself. And like as a final share around it, like it kind of came together in, in Peru, like, the, like right before COVID, like right before, a week before COVID, I finished a retreat in Peru where it was like a plants and planets retreat where it was like a week-long immersion into astrology and basically the boneyards so of Pluto, Saturn, Mars, and the nodes and plant medicine. And so like we combined the two of those together and did like an Asclepion type experience where we were doing dream work and doing a lot of processing with the ceremonies and everything like that. Storytelling, of course. And at the end of that, I had never been so fulfilled. I was like, this is, this is the true synthesis of everything that I'm into is what just happened here in the jungles of Peru. And then when we left, COVID started. And that just feels like an impossible memory right now. And it was just in late January of 2020. But um, yeah, so it's some, some, something like that. Um, hopefully it wasn't too rambly. No, that is so great. And gosh, I think I maybe was going to go on that trip. Um, so Were you? Reminds, I don't remember that. Maybe it was that, or there was something around then too, maybe, maybe in Colorado or something. We did the Hawaii one. Oh, no, no. You could have, yeah, maybe you were interested. Um, maybe you were. Yeah, I, it feels so long ago, this idea of like meeting people on a trip. Um, yeah. But yeah. I don't even know how we'll do it like, ever again. <laughs> it sounds like um, magic happens for those uh, trips that you do. And um, that's awesome. Yeah, I like them. Like bringing people together like that. It's, yeah, it's special. So I, I was like another life. Yeah. <laughs> it will happen. Yeah. I yeah. wanted, as like a final, I'm so curious um, if you would speak then. You brought up the nodes, the nodes in storytelling. You're mm -hmm. having a nodal return. Um, so I'm wondering, like, in terms of thinking about like what's coming up for you now, like what's Adam Summer doing now or where, where you feel like you're going, do you feel like the nodes are helping you right now with creating new story and like maybe revisioning your career in some way with this being a 10th house, fourth house? Nodalism? Yeah, yeah, I've put a lot of thought into it. I mean, especially during the eclipses and and we have these nodal returns every 18, 19 years. And yeah, there's interesting parallels I can notice from when I was that age to now. Like, for example, with one of the stories I told, right? Yeah. Like that's when the birthday book happened. Yeah. 
And it was also when I had left home because I had just graduated high school and I was one of the kids who got out. Like I, I graduated high school in Fargo, North Dakota of all places. Like we moved around a lot when I was a kid and ended up there. And so when I graduated high school, I boogied quick and went to the mountains of North Carolina. And that's, that's like my first um, step into the big world on my own. And uh, that feeling is a feeling I have now, but it's just bigger, right? Like I didn't just go to a place where, yeah, I was in the mountains of North Carolina and there was new people, but also family was closed. A lot of my family is in North Carolina. Here, I'm orphaned at this point in my life. And, you know, I know people in the UK, but still, it's a, it's a very strange land, especially living in Colorado for the past dozen years. And so there's that element from the fourth house. And COVID has not been helping as far as figuring out home. Like, that's a huge, huge issue at the moment. And then as far as North Node in the 10th house, like if you, you pointed that one out, like I would say a lot of the ideas that started this whole journey for me began in 18, 19. And so like a whole nodal cycle of, of just learning and seeing where all of these ideas were going to take me. And I, I do remember as well, like around my last nodal return in my late teens, like I would get into these grooves where I would like read by a lamp and write in my journal. And I found it such a great way to like transport myself like in time and space, just kind of doing it like in the old ways, like no electric lights, just like, you know, I'd light my lamp and just be like in that, in that space. It just felt good. And my dream always was like, well, maybe I'll write a book someday. Like maybe like that's what I'm supposed to do is be an author of what I, I, I didn't know and I still don't really know. But that is one of the things that came through was basically a, an offering to, to write the astrology book for the wooden book series. Um, and if you're not familiar with them, these things are amazing, Britain. Are you familiar with them? No. No. So it's a series of books called the wooden books. This is the one my buddy Adam did and they're on different topics. So this one's the Celtic pattern and you know, you learn in very condensed ways about whatever the subject is. Like there's one on the alchemist kitchen. There's one on stone circles. There's one on a lot of great topics yeah. and there's not, there's not one on astrology. And actually in the back, yeah, you have like nature spirits, native British trees, the miracle of trees, mind tricks, mazes and labyrinths, love. You get the idea. And they're just these beautiful little books. Oh my God. And I, I first saw them at the uh, astrology shop in London. There was like a carousel of them. And there was one on dragons that just like popped out. And I was like, oh, this looks interesting. And I opened it up and like not only is the art beautiful in these books, but the information is very condensed and you learn a ton from these little wooden books. And so I bought the dragon one. And then that night I met uh, a friend of mine out for dinner 
and he brought me this. It's no. His, it's his version. He has he has three of them now, but he brought me this. I was like, are you kidding me? Like you have your own and you did all the illustrations yourself, Adam? Like you're full of surprises. So he um, kind of got me a little bit deeper into it. And then recently I had John Martinow on the podcast. And John is the one that started the company. And his little book is amazing. And it's great for astrologers because it shows things like the Venus star pattern and whatnot in it. And it's called a little book of coincidences. So that, I mean, I, I'm, I guess I'm writing a book now. I find it very challenging to write an astrology book this big, but um, <laughs> I'm, it's, it's yeah. a worthy challenge. When I, when I find time, I, I chisel away at it. Well, that's awesome. I'm excited for that. I want to yeah, someday. No promise of one. A, um, series in the show notes. I'll have to get one. Oh, yeah. No, they're amazing. Yeah. And there's a couple of them that are compilations as well. There's one, like, it's like four of them combined into a hardcover called the Quadrivium. Mm -hmm. And the Quadrivium is also an important thing to understand as an astrology because astrology is just one of the arts. You have music as a, as a part of it. You have geometry as a part of it. And then how did I just forget? Music, geometry, astronomy, and number. Mm. Those are the four of the sacred arts, the quadrivium. So yeah. ast astrology is astronomy back when, but yeah. Yeah, I feel like um, one of the last times we talked, um, you were asking me about what it's like self-publishing because you were thinking about how to find a container for the writing that wanted to come through. So I was very excited to hear that something came through for you to release that desire. Totally. Me too. Thanks for that. Yeah, no self-publishing yet. Maybe someday. We'll see. Well, thank you for coming to talk to me. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's always, it's always a great exercise of, of, of telling your stories, bringing up that idea, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I haven't had the opportunity on a podcast like this to tell the whole story of what got me into astrology. So thanks for that opportunity. Hey, I'm so excited that um, I'm going to hold that. <laughs> well, um, yeah. people find you if they would like to work with you. I have a website, holstoheavens.com. Uh, all of my podcasts and actually my writings aren't there anymore. I don't post what I write on my website. I put all of my prose on Medium and then I just share it around on social media. So Medium, you can find me just by searching my name, I think. And yeah, my podcast is the same name, wherever podcasts are found. So just holes to heavens and yeah just have a listen maybe listen to the john martinow one yeah. he's a fascinating character thank you so much adam you're welcome have a beautiful day in texas thank you
I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Adam. Thank you again, Adam, for joining me. To learn more about Adam's work, you can go to holestoheavens.com. You can also find Adam on Instagram at Cosmonosis, K-O-S-M-O-G-N-O-S-I-S. His podcast is Holes to Heavens. And I hope you will check out his writings, his teachings, all his offerings. He's a wonderful, wonderful teacher and mentor. Very grateful. If you enjoyed this episode, I hope you will rate and review. It's so much fun to receive your reviews. Thank you so much for doing that. It helps people find me and it supports our mutual reciprocity If you are getting excited and or curious about signing up for charting your course, I'll have a link in the show notes. You can just go to my website where you can click on joining the list to make sure that you find out about all those dates and make sure you find out about when the course page opens, which should be any day now. I've been working hard on that. I'm wishing you all a beautiful week ahead. Take care. Thank you for listening.